Welcome to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast, a weekly program that looks back at historic content from our archives. We hope you are educated and inspired by today's edition. Today, you will get to hear audio from a simulated Article 5 convention with 49 state delegations consisting mostly of sitting or previous state legislators. Hosted by Convention of States Foundation in August of 2023, the event was held in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. In Part 5 of the final plenary session, commissioners continue debate on Proposal 2, offered by the Committee on Term Limits and Federal Judicial Jurisdiction, and eventually vote on that measure. Sir, you're recognized for your amended amendment. Thank you, Mr. President and members. Um, I think what we've seen here with this amendment is collective wisdom. I think we've seen those that, that either are, in, are opposed to it but bring up good points, and I think we've seen that those that are in favor of it have helped make this, this language better. And I think that if we look at this through the prism of a longer deliberation in a longer setting, I think we would get this to what its intent is, which is to deal with the, the overreach of the judicial branch into areas of the executive, or more importantly, the legislative branch, and especially things that tread on the uh, powers and rights reserved to the states and the people. And so I would ask you that you vote with me on this amendment, even if it's not perfect, understanding that in a longer format we would get those kinks worked out and send a message that the court should not legislate, may not legislate, and the states directly should have an oversight on that overreach. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. Are there any questions on this for the, for the member? Have questions? If you have a question, please come and be recognized. We have a bunch of you in queue that wanted to speak on the original amendment. So this is his amendment, his, excuse me, the original question, but this is his amendment. So we'll recognize you for the purposes. Go ahead, if you, okay. That's what I want to make clear. We're going to get to the original. We're now on the amendment. Um, Florida, you're recognized for your question on this. And please come and queue yourself here so we know. Thank you, Mr. Okay. President. My question is, um, we don't have a Section 4 anymore, so the Section 3, which provides for the override under Section 4, really doesn't exist. Plus, what do we do with the fundamental right that's constitutionally there for due process? What we're saying in Section 3 is essentially that the courts now are hamstrung and a victim who's a party to litigation that was just overridden by two-thirds of the states, now is being denied their fundamental constitutional right of due process. I see a great conflict here, and while I appreciate the, the vigor in which it's offered, remember, people are watching us. What are we going to produce that we know, feel confident, that not only are we a credible organization, but that will most likely pass as a constitutional amendment? So I would just suggest to you that this am amendment would be deleterious to what we as a body stand for in wanting to amend for streamlining our Constitution. Okay, I'll let you address that. Mr. Gentleman has spoken against the amendment. Uh, sir, you're recognized for a point of clarification. The, the previous gentleman is correct, and it's been corrected on the screen, that under Section 3, it references Section 2, is what it should say. Um, it did briefly say Section 4, but Mr. I believe Secretary, that's been corrected you, on the screen. Did you have that? Technically, she didn't move it, but... State it and get some agreement before we move on. Uh, technically, the representative from 
uh, Alaska did not move to change that section to adjust it. But, but it is a technical correction to, uh, to make the amendment make sense. Do I hear an objection? Yes. Okay. We have an objection to be considered a technical correction. So at this point, the only thing to do in, with the situation we have is, is um, does anyone want to rise for the purposes of, a, of an amendment to correct this error? Well, Mr. President, if, it, if, it, if it's an order, I guess I would just propose, hopefully we can get a voice vote, that we further amend the amendment to change Section 4 in the text of Section 3, change that reference to Section 2 as a technical correction. Okay. Have a second. I have an, an amendment properly seconded. I'm going to call for a voice vote. Please be very clear for the chair. All those in favor of this amendment, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed? No. The amendment passes. You're recognized for further discussion. Uh, Is there anyone else that has a question, though, before we, we move on with him? We have several of you with your with the stood, but I'm trying to make sure we're on the, this amendment. Look like we have. So here I'm going to do this from the top because we've we've had two or three things happen. I'm going back. Does North Carolina wish to speak on this? New Jersey, do you wish to speak on this? No. I'll hold you. You got you then. And then I have South Dakota. You're recognized, sir. Thank you, Mr. President and members of the, the convention. Tom Pischke from South Dakota. Um, I want to first recognize that I wholeheartedly agree with the good representative from uh, Florida and his previous comments. This, this amendment, ladies and gentlemen, is not germane to why we're here today. You know, our call in the state of South Dakota, which I must only can assume that it matches all of your guys' calls to why we're here, states, uh, Limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for federal officials and members of Congress. That is not what this proposed amendment does. That's not why we're here. And while I may agree with the sentiments of Section 1 of this proposed amendment, again, that's not why we're here. And we have to acknowledge the optics of why we're here and what we're doing. And if we're going to go off the guardrails, go off the reservation, as they say back in South Dakota, we're going to be in big trouble. So I would submit to you, everybody here, that we vote this down, we vote down these amendments, we vote down this proposed amendment in its entirety, because I don't want to go off the reservation. Thank, Thank you, sir. Mr. President. Thank you, sir. Nebraska, are you still want any comments on this at this time? We're going to go then to West Virginia. Do you wish to speak? West Virginia is recognized for comments on the amendment. I do have California, then Kansas in the queue. And to help things along, if you will come and get ready at one of the, the uh, mics, it would help us. Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, President. Uh, yeah, I just I want to point out a few things, and, and I did hear somebody earlier. Excuse point. me, sir. If we could hold the conversations to a minimum so everyone can hear. 
continue. Uh, I heard someone refer to the potential uh, Jenga that this was going to create, and I really think that needs to be restated and, and understood. The way this is currently written, every decision ever rendered by the Supreme Court or any federal court throughout the entire history of this country could be overturned with this. And I know a lot of people think, well, man, we would never, we'd never do that. We'll never get to two-thirds. There's also no time limit in terms of how long it takes you to get to the two-thirds. You know, I represent a, a state that for 84 years was controlled absolutely by one party, and in the last you know, five years, it's, it's gone so hard in the other direction that we could do anything we wanted to do. But some of you represent states that went in the other direction. And you know, when we started even talking about what we're doing here with an Article Five convention, there are resolutions that pass states that are considered to be a part of that call that are 50 plus years old. So you could have states over time adopting you know, a, a resolution or uh, an action that overturns a Supreme Court or a federal court decision, and that stands forever. 200 years later, it may finally achieve that number, much like the last amendment to the United States Constitution finally reached the final number 200 years after it was proposed. So, you know, without any kind of guardrails on what this might actually affect, I think that's something that you really have to think about. You have to think about uh, people who play this game, and some of us in this room do, some of us ne don't necessarily, but uh, play the game of being very strategic about which court decisions people might go after because they understand what the long-term effect of overturning a decision might be, even though publicly they're saying something completely different. They may understand that that decision going away has a, a, a huge impact in a direction they want to move the country. So think about the potential for damage that you can't even see right now with such a thing. I also think that you should um, consider the fact that quite often these decisions are decisions of equity, meaning that someone wins a financial award and someone loses a financial you know, uh, you know, amount of money, so to speak. 10 years later, if that decision is overturned, the money's already changed hands is the person going to have to come up with the money that they were awarded in a, in a case and return it to the other party? What if they're long dead? Because it could, again, be 50 years later. This, this could actually have something of an effect of an, a, a bill of attained ear, where you're essentially staining a person or a corporation you know, for multiple years in the future as an act as opposed to uh, having the uh, due process that people are entitled to. A legislative act stains a person as opposed to having you know, the courts settle you know, decisions of equity. So I think you just need to think about the potential consequences here, and I would be opposed. Thank you, Senator. Uh, gentleman from California, and then we will go to Kansas. Hello, I uh, rise in opposition to uh, the amendments for Section 2 and Section 3. You know, the uh, right of judicial review by the Supreme Court of legislation, that was established uh, back in the early 1800s. That was Marbury versus Madison, and the Chief Justice at the time, in writing that opinion, uh, stated that laws repugnant to the Constitution are void. I think we have to be, we think clearly about what the unintended consequences of this might be, because just about 100 years after that Supreme Court decision that established a judicial review, Congress passed the Sedition Act of 1918, and that criminalized speech that was in opposition to war efforts of the United States government. And whatever we might think of that speech, just think of that time when Congress passed 
that bill flat out criminalizing free speech. And guess what? Congress passed that bill by 292 to 1, meaning that even if the court would have defended our First Amendment freedoms, with this intact, our First Amendment rights would have been shattered. And that's not the last time that our assault on free speech has been made by Congress. Look back to the campaign finance reform legislation that restricted political speech. That was passed by a near supermajority of Republicans and Democrats in Congress, and it took, thankfully, a Supreme Court that stepped in and said, that law is unconstitutional. That's an unconstitutional restriction on political speech. With these amendments intact, once again, our free speech rights just a few decades ago would have been decimated. And for these reasons, I stand in opposition to these two amendments. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Kansas. Chairman. I'll be brief. Uh, the great people of the state of Kansas know that Hunter Biden got a rat deal that smelled fishy. Section 3 is that Hunter Biden deal for the states that smells fishy. I would say that we rise in opposition to this amendment. Thank you. Thank you. Members, I'm reminding you to please state your name for the record when you speak. A gentlewoman from Alaska is recognized for comments now. Thank you, Shelley Hughes from Alaska, Mr. President. Um, we've heard a lot about unintended consequences about the Jenga effect, but I just want to say a two-thirds bar by the legislature is very, very high. Think about how supportive um, in this nation the popular uh, the the public is of term limits and how how difficult that's been to get get to that bar. I would also say that we could trust our state legislatures to consider the ramifications, the monetary awards, the Jenga effect. If it were going to topple a lot of things, it wouldn't pass. It wouldn't reach that two-thirds two -thirds bar. So I don't think that is the concern as it's been laid out. If it's going to entangle things um, back many years, uh, monetary awards for someone who has passed, it's not going to pass the legislature. So I think we can set that concern aside and what we need to think about, what we're, the message we are sending here in the simulation, are we going to leave the judiciary branch untouched? We are here to help rebalance the power between the states and the federal government. We cannot leave the judiciary branch untouched. We are, we are passing resolutions to reign in the executive branch. We are passing resolutions to range in Congress, the legislative branch. If we leave the judiciary branch untouched, we are sending a signal that they have the final word. They do not have the final word, and they need an additional check on them as the makeup of the field of law has changed and has become very politically leaning to the left. So I implore you to consider this uh, and vote yes so that we, as, a, as the states, are reigning in all three branches and not just two of the three. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Members, we have four, we have four members in queue. Idaho, you're recognized. If you would, please state your name for the record. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Senator Todd Leike from Idaho, um, speaking on my own behalf, uh, arguing against this amendment. Um, Commissioners, this is, this is really deviating from our founding fathers' intent for separation of powers. And you're taking a process uh, 
uh, the legal process, which an individual or a party is entitled to due process under certain rules that, that apply to the, the type of evidence that, that's considered, the weight of the evidence that's considered. You're dealing with mountains of evidence in particular cases. Those are the kind of things that a legislature is not um, set up to be able to evaluate. Uh, we're trading a, a due process for a political process. And in that sense, you're giving more power to those with influence and those with money um, than we are with the current system that we have. Uh, so I would uh, urge you to vote against this. Thank you. Uh, the gentleman from Pennsylvania will take you. In Utah, we'd like for you to come and be ready. You're next in the list here. Thank you, Mr. President. And uh, again, I'm Senator Chris Dush from Pennsylvania. Just want to address a couple things that were uh, brought up. Uh, first of all, with whether or not this is germane to uh, what was done here, that uh, clause that the, the gentleman from the Dakota Territory uh, brought up actually says the federal government, and the federal government, the judicial branch, is a part of that. So it is germane. The uh, Marbury versus Madison and the, uh, the idea that the, the federal court created Mar Marbury versus Madison. They didn't, they created a rule. And up to a certain point, that's fine within the, the court's jurisdiction. However, when it comes to uh, that which is to be set up by the rules by the people in our legislative authority, that is our authority. Now, I'm very concerned that uh, the, the points that were made that referencing, per, for instance, the cases within Congress. We're not Congress. That's why we amended this so that it would be to the states. That's a much higher bar getting two-thirds of the states to come and go along with this. Before, before, because to call the convention to actually have that happen, there's a lot more debate that's going to happen in 50 states before we come to that decision-making process. And it can also be limited to just that one individual, that one case, or the precedent. So the, the legislature has the ability under this to actually eliminate the precedent and also take into consideration the possibility of what has already been decided and the remuneration or whatever has happened within a specific case. But we need to exercise this authority, and we need to have this authority established. I think putting this out before the people with the amount of uh, uh, overreach that we've seen and the most people have seen with our judicial branches, both at the state and the federal level, I think people will see the, uh, the wisdom behind this. There are some, the, the points that were raised, I think if it's left to the states, Rather than Congress, I think we're very safe with this uh, bill. Thank you. Thank you. The gentleman from Utah for his second comment on this. You were first in our list, sir. You're recognized. The parliamentarian has given me the states as they're recognized, and so that's why there's some. Excellent. Thank you. I'll be brief. I mean, some of the comments were already made, uh, Florida and others. Uh, when they talk about leaving the judicial branch untouched, we're not leaving the judicial branch untouched. It's right there. Supreme Court, shock assist of nine judges. We're, we're addressing the judicial branch. And, and, and as far as touching, <clears throat> we want to touch. We don't want to clobber. And we don't want to.
put things completely out of, uh, out of reach. If we're going to have a two-thirds limit, then let's meet in an Article 5 convention and we'll discuss the scalpel remedy, not the meat cleaver, to the, to the problem. The, if the problem is a decision and we're going to have a two-thirds vote, then let's talk about Roe versus Wade. Let's talk about elections. Let's talk about what the decision is. But the Supreme Court deals with criminal law, deals with civil law, deals with environmental law, deals with parties that have disputes for damages. And, and the challenge with this is you upset that entire apple cart that could go back as far as the founding of our nation. So it, it, if we're going to look at a two-thirds requirement, which is great, and I understand we've got issues with the judiciary. Let's meet in a convention like this. We'll talk about the problem. We could create a solution fashioned to the remedy, like uh, how we choose justices in the first place, how justices might be removed, the, the, the scope of their jurisdiction. But none of us can tell, sitting here today, with this kind of power, overturning a decision where the strands of that might go. I would suggest that we go back to the very simple amendment that we started with in a term limit amendment, and then we can move forward on the other jurisdiction. Completely appreciate that we have a judiciary that many times is out of control. Let's fashion a remedy that is very narrowly tailored to the problem and not something that is going to use a bazooka to, to deal with a fly. So uh, I would speak against this and, and suggest we go back to the original amendment. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Gentleman from Hawaii. Thank you, Mr. President. Jim Hopeberg, Hawaii. And thank you for asking the gentleman from Utah to speak first because he brought to your thinking what I wanted to talk about. Uh, so first of all, the bridge between where we are today and the original Constitutional Convention 1700s, a lot has happened in the meantime. And the original Constitution did not anticipate even Marbury. So it's perfectly appropriate in my thinking that we think about how we need to have the people in control of what the Supreme Court can do. So I actually support this. With respect to the issues of what happens to the people in the case, so how long do you suppose it would take after a case is decided for 23 states to decide to act together? In that interim period of time, the it, people that were involved in the case have finished dealing with whatever they were dealing with, and that practical reality is over. The problem with some of the cases that is going to lead 23 states to want to deal with it is because the opinion exceeds the parties in the case. Roe v. Wade had to do with could a particular woman not be allowed to abort her baby. By the time 23 states wanted to get involved in that issue, either she has a baby or she already doesn't have a baby. The problem in the Roe case is it led to can any state put any regulation on any woman's pregnancy that is an undue burden. That had nothing to do with the people in the original case. That's the kind of issues, and I'm sorry that's the case that came to mind, but 
There are all kinds of legal issues, all kinds of legal cases, and I'm not an elected official, so it's way easier for me as a litigator to have this opinion. And you, you, you may not. But I support this amendment because, as a matter of fact, the Supreme Court does make rulings that are far beyond the scope of the disputing parties. And it is appropriate for the people having elected state representatives to have a say in that. Thank you very much. I support this. Gentleman from New York, you're recognized. We have Ohio in the queue and then Louisiana and then no further on the amendment. Nick Giordano from New York, and I'll just remind everyone, the Constitution has served us well for 200-plus years. Uh, we have checks and balances. We have the separation of powers. I keep on hearing that the Supreme Court shouldn't have the final say. They don't. They do not have the final say. Congress can overturn Supreme Court decision through a constitutional amendment, or as the commissioner from Utah pointed out, we could call an Article V Convention of States. So I do not support sections two and three. I don't think they're necessary. I think it's creating more controversy than it needs to be. And I think that we should move to vote and determine whether or not it is necessary. Thank you. Thank you. I have the gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Thank you, sir. I would simply say this, that I appreciate the intensity of the debate and the discussion, the depth to which we are delving in an effort to make sure that we stay within our lane. And I recognize, and I would have us all recognize, that we as legislators are vitally concerned that we stay within the waters of that which was originally intended by our forefathers. But what I would like us to understand and recognize it as a whole, the very reason that we're having this debate is because the ship of the judiciary has sailed long into the legislative waters and they have overridden and overruled much of what is in our purview and in our power. If a, if a threat comes against my family, I care not which direction it comes from. If it's a threat to the welfare and the health of my family, I, I simply want to make sure that I check that threat against my family. We as legislators and as those representatives of the people have the responsibility to make sure that if there is a threat against the livelihood of the people of the United States, we do not care whether it comes from the executive, whether it comes from the legislative, or whether it comes from the judicial branch. We have a responsibility to make sure that we maintain those checks in place. Just a little while ago, now it seems like hours ago, which it was, we heard our first president in his farewell speech say that one of the highest priorities is to preserve the separation of powers. And then he went on to say, make sure that we guard against the encroachment of one upon the other. That is exactly what this debate is about. And I believe and I prophesy that if we do not do something in this convention, simulated or not, I prophesy that if the ship of ju the judiciary continues to sail deeper into the waters and the misunderstanding of the people of the United States is that they have the final say, we will continue to lose the power of the legislative branch. And so it behooves us to do something, whether imperfect or perfect on this day, I would encourage us to make a step forward, if nothing else, to fire a shot across the bow of the ship and let them know that we are watching and that we as representatives of the people are going to do that which is necessary to protect the people. Thank you. Thank you. I have <laughs> recognized President Jenkins of Louisiana. 
And then we'll move to the question. Mr. President, members, the reason I want to rise again is because I fear in this proposal the death of what we're doing here. Because this is exactly the sort of thing that will be used to discredit a convention of the states. This proposal, with all due respect, does not make sense. Let's take the word override. What does that mean? And let's take Roe v. Wade. I'm very familiar with that case. I've been fighting it for years. That was a bad, bad decision. The Dobbs decision overrode Roe v. Wade. But that's a general term, it overrode it. What did it do? They wrote a lengthy opinion telling you what the law is. They didn't just say, we override Roe v. Wade. They had to write an opinion to tell what the law is going to be according to the Supreme Court. Is the, are the legislatures going to write a legal opinion telling you how abortion is going to be regulated? Is that how it is? You're going to have two-thirds of the states are going to write an opinion or just say, we override. What does that mean, we override? It doesn't make sense. Furthermore, let me tell you what you will have. You won't have a judicial system because you'll never have a final judgment. You'll never have a final judgment because every judgment depends on, is it possible that you, these legislatures are going to come in and override something done? How would anybody write a check? to pay a final judgment, you're not gonna have a final judgment. I mean, think this through. I hate a lot of things that the Supreme Court has done. We have checks and balances, we need to use them. But we don't want to send a message to this country that we want to undermine the basis of our judicial system with something that doesn't make sense, honestly. So please, defeat this amendment. Don't undermine the credibility of this, of this simulated convention. Thank you. Sir, you're recognized for final comments on your amendment. Thank you, Mr. President. I don't think if we read every word of every proposal we have today that we've deliberated for less than a day and a half, that we can take away that that defines the credibility of this convention. I think we have to recognize that simulations are indeed a brief example of, of a process that we go through to make good policy, but that in a process where it was actually going to be debated under Article 5, that that process would not be brief, we would not have three-minute time limits, and we would not limit it to a day and a half. And so that's all in the context of this process as well. Now, we heard Marbury versus Madison brought up, and that was, in some ways, the Supreme Court saying they are God and all things constitutional. Now, there are parts of that decision and in practice that are very practical to determining when the individual rights of people are protected and whether the legislature or the Congress could simply just legislate those rights away. But there are portions of that decision that allow the court to legislate and essentially take legislative policy on certain issues out of the legislative branch entirely. That is what this proposal is about. I think I opened with that and I want to close with that. The context of this proposal is how it affects the power of the Congress and the states that they otherwise have reserved to them by the, the uh, Constitution. And so when we look at this, the states, how would we do this? The states would probably have a resolution much like how we would have all got here. Now the resolution isn't going to say, you know, John owes Steve his money back. It's going to say we reject 
the concept that that landmark decision, not the law of the case, as somebody said, but what's commonly called what? The law of the land. And we're rejecting the law of the land theory as it ties our hands as legislators. That's what our resolution would be on. That's what 34 states would come together and say, no, sir, we are not going to accept that. Please support this amendment. The gentleman is closed for his amendment. We're going to have a voice vote if we call for division. I already have a call for division. Uh, without objection, we will have a roll call vote. Mr. Secretary, call the roll on the amendment. Alabama. No. Alaska. Yes. Arizona. No. Arkansas. No. California. No. Colorado. No. Connecticut. No. Delaware. No. Florida. No. Georgia. No. Hawaii. Yes. Idaho. Yes. Illinois. No. Indiana. No. Iowa. Yes. Kansas. No. Kentucky. No. Louisiana. No. Maine. No. Maryland. No. Massachusetts. No. Michigan. No. Minnesota. No. Mississippi. No. Missouri. No. Montana. No. Nebraska. No. Nevada. No. New Hampshire. Abstain. New Jersey. No. New Mexico. No. New York. No. North Carolina. No. North Dakota. Yes. Ohio. No. Oklahoma. No. Oregon. No. Pennsylvania. Aye. South Carolina. No. South Dakota. No. Tennessee. Aye. Texas. No. Utah. No. Vermont. No. Virginia. No. Washington. No. West Virginia. No. Wisconsin. No. Wyoming. No. Mr. President, there are eight yeas, 40 nays, and one abstention. State it again for the chair. There are eight yeas, 40 nays, and one abstention. The amendment fails. We now properly have, we're back to the original. Uh, sir, would you like to make any comments before we vote? Thank you very much. Uh, this is our amendment to the Constitution that will protect the court from being packed and also ensures that they can act if uh, there are vacancies and I would appreciate an I vote. Thank you. Members, you have the proposal properly before you. Uh, we're gonna call the roll on this. This is... I have an amendment pending. I'm sorry? I have an amendment pending. You, you... I said I gave it to the secretary a little while ago. An amendment to this proposal. As I, I've ha I actually have had no amendment spoken to me, so this, this is... I'm waiting for the other amendment to be disposed of. Did you have the staff? Did you did you have an amendment properly signified to you that somehow? The amendment was submitted to the staff. Okay. All right. 
Thank you very much. Nobody had stated we had anything else pending. So uh, it's for the purposes of the floor debate, I want you to be very vigorous about standing up and sta saying so because nothing can be stated other than what had happened here on the floor. So I'm going to, to allow you to, to make your statement on this, but we need to handle it quickly. So you're recognized. Do you have the amendment? So, so I have one further amendment, and I do sympathize with everyone who wanted to do at least something to help hold uh, the federal judiciary accountable. Um, and I personally believe that we absolutely need to do that, and I think that um, the simpler the better in many cases. Uh, so what this amendment will do is it simply says that, you know, the parties to the Constitution, the parties to the compact, uh, just like with any contract, always have standing when it comes to challenges as to whether or not the parties, you know, on the opposite side are following the contract. So we've seen it with immigration, we've seen it with Obamacare, we've seen it with, you know, a variety of issues where a federal court or even the U.S. Supreme Court will simply rule that a state does not have standing to challenge a federal law or a federal regulation. And so what this says, and it does give just that little bit of pushback on the uh, federal judiciary, is that you can't dodge a question related to the constitutionality of a law or a regulation by simply saying that a state does not have standing to challenge the constitutionality of a law or an executive order, et cetera. So I appreciate your support. Thank you. Members, do you have any questions at all on this proposed amendment? Is there a second? I have multiple seconds for this amendment. Is there any discussion at all? Hearing no discussion, I would want to take a vote for this amendment as stated clearly here. Take a voice vote. All those in favor of the amendment say aye. Aye. All those opposed say no. No. The amendment passes. We're back to the original. Now, folks, we, dinner is, lunch is waiting on you. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'm told that some bladders are about to explode. So... I suggest, is there any further comment from you, sir? Are you closed for your... Um, New Jersey wants to say a word. I will entertain your, your comments because you've been patiently waiting, sir. I'm sorry, is there a point of order? Okay. We've got to ask for a roll call vote on that. I think it was unclear. It, I've already ruled and it was very, very clear from this position. And I stood up immediately to ask for a roll call, Mr. I actually ruled. Uh, you're, you're recognized, sir, for your comments. Thank you, Mr. President. Pro tem, uh, would the sponsor yield for a question? Through you, sir. Would be proper. On section number one, the Supreme Court of the United States shall consist of nine judges. Okay, we now have another point of order, a gentleman from Utah. On, on final passage, we have had uh, customary here, and I think in final passage, we want the record of the states on final passage. I'm not positive we have any rules, but I request a ruling that on final passage of the amendment, we should have a roll call vote. Second. On every we have well, I could tell you that thus far throughout the process this morning, these amendments have been taken unless there was a call for an actual division. Now, the main proposal has always had a roll call. Uh, so, 
again, I, I tell you, I, I had trouble hearing some of these, but that vote was very clear. So or if you're want, are you wanting to go back and, and now challenge the, the chair and have a roll call? I did call for that division immediately, and, and I don't believe that was ruled on before we moved forward. But I, I actually stated I'd made a ruling, and I ruled that the amendment had passed. Okay, well then I'll, as a point of order, I'll, I'll challenge the ruling, because I think it's, I think it's important that we have a, a recording of the votes of the states on final passage on these. My apologies, I'll withdraw my comments and try to pay better attention. Say that even louder so everybody watching can hear you. He, apolog he apologizes and deeply embraces the chair. Okay. <laughs> Leave it to Utah. Okay. Thank you, uh, Robert Orth from New Jersey, uh, President Pro Tem. With regard to Section 1, the Supreme Court of the United States shall consist of nine judges, any six of whom shall cons uh, constitute a quorum. Um, my question to the sponsor is simply this. I'm assuming that the six is uh, two-thirds of the nine. However, any time there's a tie, it's always going to really be perceived as a no vote. So my question is, why wouldn't it be seven rather than six? You recognize for response to the gentleman's question. I'll do my best. Um, I may need uh, consultation with our expert on our committee, if, if you don't mind, Mr. It, President. It's your pleasure. You're recognized to assist in response. He, he'll to be the able to do this much better. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, and then. Dennis Ross from Florida. The, the, the wording in Section 1 is verbatim from the Judiciary Act. So what we're doing is placing in the Constitution what is not there, which is in the Judiciary Act, which explains the makeup of the Supreme Court, so it'll be nine. So we're, we're, we're not creating anything new. We're using the, the existing law that has been there since 1938 in order to clarify and bring to conclusion that the Supreme Court shall only be nine with six members constituting a quorum. Um, so then, sir, just to, to get back to You're recognized to continue, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. President Pro Tem. Um, sir, just to, to clarify, then when there are tie votes, as, as there has been, if I might, Mr. President, let him finish his comment. Oh, if there are tie votes, then we're just, then there's never a decision arrived. Is that correct? you recognize. And that's the state of the law today. When there are, when there are an even number, and it's a tie vote, then there is no change that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's an opinion that, does not, that, that, that is not affirmed. And wouldn't it be better just to add the extra one so that you could get a decision? I mean, people, when they go into uh, the Supreme Court, there's time, money, all sorts of expenses paid by litigants to do this, and then just to say, well, we only have a quorum of six, and we have a tie, so you're not going to get a decision. Does Final that... response? You know, that's also up to the litigants. They know what they're getting into when they make up the court is the way it is. Um, you know, they can, they can ask for a continuance. They can request a postponement. Um, I, my only comment has been that in 80 years, the system has worked fairly well with the makeup of the Supreme Court with nine justices as defined in the Judiciary Act. 
And that's the reason we came to the conclusion to put it in as a constitutional amendment. Thank you for your answer. Thank you, uh, Mr. President. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for your question. Sir, are you closed for your bill? Again, we appreciate uh, an affirmative I vote. I think this is a very important uh, constitutional amendment, and thank you to members of our subcommittee. Members, after vigorous debate and consideration, we now call the roll. Aye. Alaska. Yes. Arizona. Aye. Arkansas. Aye. California. Aye. Colorado. Aye. Connecticut. Yes. Delaware. Yes. Florida. No. Georgia. Yes. Hawaii. Yes. That was a yes. Idaho. Yes. Illinois. Yes. Indiana. Yes. Iowa. Yes. Kansas. Yes. Kentucky. No. Louisiana. Yes. Maine. Yes. Maryland. No. Massachusetts. Michigan. Yes. Minnesota. Yes. Mississippi. Yes. Missouri. Yes. Montana. Nebraska. Yes. Nebraska. That's a yes. Nevada. Yes. New Hampshire. Abstain. Hampshire abstains. New Jersey. Yes. New Mexico. Yes. New York. New York. Absent. North Carolina. Yes. North Dakota. Yes. Ohio. Yes. Oklahoma. No. Oregon. No. Pennsylvania. Yes. South Carolina. Yes. South Dakota. No. Tennessee. Aye. Texas. Yes. Utah. Yes. Vermont. No. Virginia. Yes. Washington. Yes. West Virginia. Yes. Wisconsin. Yes. Wyoming. Yes. The vote is 39 yay, 8 nay, 1 abstention, and 1 absent. The proposal has passed. Congratulations. <laughs> Members, in consultation with the president, we're actually going to take a 20-minute recess for you to be able to use the restroom to get your box lunches. You'll be back in here. My time is approximately 12, 11 or 12, 12. Thank you for listening to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast. To learn more about our grassroots movement, go to www.conventionofstates.com.